0: welcome to the rex chapman show with super cool josh hopkins powered by basketballnews.com hey josh how are you buddy good man how's
1: everything in kentucky
0: everything uh, it's it's warming up here heating up i should say Mm -hmm. i'm old Mm -hmm. i want to brag i went on two big walks yesterday
1: Ooh, yeah that's uh
0: congratulations thanks buddy you know yeah Heart rate up a little bit and uh, took my shirt off. <laughs> Only in the neighborhood, though, trying to get my, get my tan on, getting mm-hmm, kind it of mm-hmm. bright for summer. You know how it goes.
1: Gotcha, guy. Got, I feel you. I feel you. Oh, uh, we should jump right into uh, the segment book club. Uh, yes. what, have you read, read anything this week, Rex? Not at all. Me either. So that's been book club. Rex, I do have a question I've been thinking about. I just popped into my head today.
0: I like what when, you when you think? do I like when Thanks. you do You're welcome.
1: Who are the the Currys, the Mannings of the NBA, or are the Mannings the Currys of the NFL?
0: Oh, Mm. that makes my brain hurt.
1: I mean, yeah, Uh, it's tough, but the the, the fathers played, and were we're great, and the two boys come out, and are great. Titles, a lot of titles there. They seem to be like the basketball and football camelots
0: my knee jerk is to say the mannings and the only reason i do that is because i i don't know that seth is gonna be a starting point guard on a title team unless he wins one this year you know in philly uh archie Archie Manning, a great pro, but had uh, just, you know, awful, awful line and terrible yeah. team. Um, had a great career. Dell, great career, sixth man of the year, a time or two maybe. Um, also one of the best guys ever, but never an all-star. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Man, Stefan has set the world on fire. Of course, Peyton has. But did Eli win two Super Bowls? He did. He did the helmet catch. That's, uh, that. that's that may be a. But also, Stefan and Seth are still playing. So
1: yeah, that's a work in progress. So yeah, it's it's, I guess question. it's yet to be decided. But I don't know. I mean, if Seth ends up being on a team that wins a couple, you know, and and who knows. Steph changed the game, changed the entire game. Like, I don't know that. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he revolutionized the sport. I mean, they were both great quarterbacks, but the revolution has been with quarterbacks that can move now. More. Yeah, you but know, that's, let's, not,
0: let's not poo-poo Peyton because Peyton, man, oh, he, he was the best just player. a maestro. You know, yeah, yeah. he was, he was, yeah, you could say robotic and all of that stuff, but at the line and what he was able to accomplish with his mind. Omaha, and, Omaha. Yeah, and communication with everybody on that line. that That's elite. And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody's done that part of it better.
1: Um, and he's a hell of a pitch man, funny in the commercial. So that's, you know, that's something. Stephen ain't bad. Stephen ain't bad.
0: He's He's... He's got some gigs. He's got mm-hmm, some personality. Mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm, you? No don't,
1: doubt. Don't you poo poo on my stuff. We we have to have Seth on here. Oh yeah. The trilogy. Absolutely. I'd love to hear his stories, his side of
0: the, I can't wait. of the backyard games. Oh yeah. Steph's got all kinds of swag. He,
1: he's all, as you can imagine all kinds of toughness. Seth, I think he's Seth probably according to, their father. I think Seth is the only guy in the NBA who thinks he's a better shooter than Steph. And he might be. He's <laughs> percentage wise. Might be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what do we got today?
0: You know what we got? We got a little twist. We've got the CEO of Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment, which is, encompasses the Sixers, the Philadelphia 76ers, the New Jersey Devils, the Prudential Center. We have Scott Michael O'Neill, an executive wow. with many, many, many accolades. So I'm really yeah. excited about this one. How about you, Josh?
1: I'm, I'm a little nervous. Yeah. Were, I mean, he's an intellect beyond mine. Uh, Harvard Business School. I'm out right there I'm like uh, uh what's your favorite color I don't know what I'm gonna ask this guy
0: same very much the same he's one of those excited. That, I remember the old movie it was Meryl Streep and uh it was defending your life Albert Brooks and they had the whole thing oh, some yeah. people are the little brains and some people are the big brains Scott O'Neill is a big brain guy
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I'm excited to talk to him because I feel like I'm gonna learn something
0: yeah, me too. Let's get to it. You want to, buddy? I'd love to. Let's roll. Scott Michael O'Neill. Welcome to the <laughs> show, buddy.
2: Hey, um, I know you do the preset when you talk about that neither of you read a book. Here's a tip. <laughs> Put this one on your <laughs> list to read it.
0: All right. There we go. Uh, right know, away. You
2: know, like a, one time I want to hear you so say, yeah, I read this great book. It was fantastic. Yeah. So I love you guys. Love your work. Love your podcast thrilled to be here and humbled to be here and hope to have some fun and and if you don't have any questions for me i got some for you (laughs)
0: Uh, oh i love it already i'm in well for people that don't know you're the ceo of harris blitzer sports and entertainment the sixers the devils prudential center all of that good stuff uh formerly madison square garden the nba for years um talk to us scott for a second about Growing up, did you play ball? Uh, all of that, you went to Villanova. Yeah. Know, but growing up, give us your background.
2: Yeah, on that. Yes, uh, total total hoop junkie. Um, dad, my dad was a freshman basketball coach at Holy Cross. So his his coaching career didn't last very long, but he <laughs> coached me since I could walk. I had a basketball in my hands. I still play today. I'm 51 years old and would take, I would just literally go anywhere, anytime to hear the ball bouncing. Um, I got Jay Wright, who was an assistant coach under Raleigh when I was a freshman, cut me from the team. You should ask him sometime how that went for him. Not so well. Um, But it was – I love – I've gotten so much from the game of basketball. I I coach my daughters. I've got three daughters. None of them are very good. They're wonderful kids. But the game of basketball teaches every value that helps you be successful in life. It's about um, fighting, competing, sweating, leading, following – learning how to lose, which I've never, still not very good at, learning how to win with grace, which I'm getting better at, um, you, you understanding about, like, how to compete. You walk on a court, man, you walk on a pickup court, and you get that little anxiety before because you don't know anybody. You walk into a foreign city and play. I love that. I love the uncomfortableness. I love the little wink and the nod when something good happens. Um, boy, man, everybody needs an escape from the world, and mine is just hearing that ball bounce. No, I, hear I, I, I love the game.
0: I hear you have some, uh, you know, pretty infamous pregame uh, hoops games at, uh, in Philadelphia. Yeah, I
2: mean, legs are gone, shots kind of almost always there, but the mouth never stops. Moving. That's, that's my gift, okay? Everybody was given a gift. I didn't have your jumper, didn't have your hops, didn't, didn't have anything you have. But this, I can compete at a world-class level still. It just keeps getting better. That's the one, one part of the game that never goes away.
1: Oh, that's funny.
0: Must be something in the water, you and Danny Ainge both. Uh, I got to keep an eye on both of you. (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah, Scott, man, I say this with the utmost respect and as a high compliment, but you are the kind of person that really makes me feel shitty about myself. (laughs) I mean, you (laughs) have accomplished so much. You are so Uh, um, successful. Uh, uh, Your commitment to community, your passion, uh, where did, did, were you born with this? I know all your siblings are very successful. Do you have the best parents oh, ever? Is it something in your DNA? What, what how did you accomplish all this? Oh, you're too
2: funny. Uh, I, w- I will say that my, my book, Here Where Your Feet Are, is actually about the exact opposite of that. So I've, I've read plenty of books. Um, and the one, the uh, one thing I love is, uh, stories of, of failure and, ha- and, uh, I think that's where all the learning takes place and, um. And so me growing up, I, I, grew, like, I was a food stamp kid when I was really young. So uh, we, we didn't come from a lot of means. And then I saw my folks go from that, like puffed milk and powdered, you know, powdered milk and puffed rice breakfast, lunch and dinner to like <clears throat> all of a sudden I'm at a country club. And I'm like, wow, this is different. And then they lost it again. So so I had a wonderful and I, I only say that it's a wonderful experience, because when you don't have any money, You don't know what money is. Like you have an appreciation for what you have. You have no idea what anybody else has. This is before social media. We just, you know, I just knew my neighbor drove a semi. Like that's, that was life, you know? And then my folks um, did very well in their business and they're entrepreneurs. So things went bad and things went really well and then they went badly. Um, But man, I grew up in a house totally full of love. Um, Both my my mom and dad um, both had their PhDs um, child education, child psychology. So it was a laboratory. And my dad told me every single day, I, I try to on my daughters and hope it works. They told me every day, my mom and my dad, you can achieve anything you want to achieve. Dream big. Don't let anybody put a ceiling on you. If you can dream it, you can do it. I mean, every day. Can you imagine having that just pounding in your head every single day? And with all the negativity that we find in the world today. And by the way, that's one thing, Rex, I just love, 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 love. And I know some of your biggest fans only know you from social media, which I think is funny, but I love positive energy. And Twitter is a cesspool of hate. And you bring love and laughs and, and, there's, and, and social change and meaning and purpose. And, um, and so, yes, I, uh, I'm sorry to, to wander, but I was really fortunate. I grew up in a house of five kids within six years, total like Irish Catholic Italian family. Um, so we had a lot of emotion in there, a lot of love, a lot of hugs, a lot of kisses, um, and a lot of dreams. We all played hoop. Um, my sister was the only real athlete. She was, like, all-American in high school, American in college, in lacrosse. Um, but but generally, we were just, like, those scrappy, nasty Irish point guards that you never wanted to play. Pick up <laughs> in 95 degrees and pick you up full court and get right in your ass, every <laughs> possession. Be are like, I hate the O'Neills. <laughs> um, yeah, guys. my brothers are a lot nicer. None boy. of them. Fun. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't want it. You did. You never wanted it. You, you could have been better, faster, stronger, but you did not want us on the court with you. Uh, so yeah, we we competed. I mean, we threw punches in the backyard. I mean, it was it was a it was a full on melee every time we played. Uh, but we we grew up uh, tough kids. All as a family, five point guards. So family point guards. Uh, so we were we were always past first kids, because um, my dad was a coach. You know, that was kind of the way we brought up. Because none of you
0: could shoot, just say ball. it.
2: Because none of you could shoot, just go ahead and say it. I I, mean. Listen, uh, listen, we have a family family saying, and it was, what we lack in talent, we make up for in confidence. So <laughs> we were shooters, we just weren't makers.
1: Are you guys, because um, you're all <laughs> hyper successful, are you competitive today with one another? With your siblings?
2: No, competitive. You know, it's almost like the NBA. Like, I've been been blessed to be around the game for so long and, you know, worked for David Stern and worked for Adam Silver and these incredible leaders and luminaries. And the one thing that that I got pounded into my head really quickly when I got into this league was that we fight to the death on the court and we help each other off the court. And that's the way my brothers are and my sister. And um, so they're my my best friends in the world. Um, They're the ones I call when things go well. And they're the ones I call when things don't go so well. You know, and I, I've had plenty of those moments, too. So, uh, so, I, no, I, I, we're not, we don't have any kind of competition. All we're doing is root for each other. I kind of, the way I see the world, um, I never really understood kind of the jealousy gene. I, I root for every, everybody, you know, I want everybody to get a raise. I want everybody to get promoted. I want everyone to sell their company. I, I, I think the world is better when, when people are winning. And, uh, and I, especially with my friends.
1: I like the cut of your jib, man. Same. You are I keep you around. You inspire me. Yeah, there's I do want to ask this before we really go on. What does a CEO of a professional sports organization do? Like I know what the GM, the coach, the players. What what's your day-to-day job? And yeah, yeah. in-
2: I, I I think if you talk to the people that, that I work with, they tell you not enough. <laughs> um, but I I, <laughs> I mean, no, but I um, you know, it's a big business. You know, when, when I, when I got into this league, I worked for the New Jersey nets, the, the beloved New Jersey nets with Derek Coleman and Kenny Anderson draws in Petrovich. Remember? Um, so that was not Sam Bowie, Chris Morris. That wasn't a, a beloved team. Um, but the business was really small. I remember starting there and reading that the jazz just traded for $13 million. And you look today and you got teams <laughs> trading over $2 billion. So the organizations, when I walked into this game 25 years ago, were this big. And now they're big businesses with big brands. Um, so, so our responsibility is effectively to, you know, as a CEO, you set the strategy for the company. Um, you drive the budget. You hire and fire. Um, you set the culture. We're, we aim to create the greatest place to work in the world. And we're, we're far from that, but that's our aim. That's our goal. And we're trying to drive social change. I, I operate in, in cities that need help, like Newark, New Jersey. And if you haven't been there, I'd love to take you on a car ride. Camden, New Jersey is the average household income, $13,000. You know, Philadelphia is the second highest poverty rate of any major U.S. city behind only Detroit, lovely Detroit, and uh, and Wilmington, which was known as Kilmington when it was the murder capital of the U.S. uh, three years ago. So I'm in cities that need help. So that's one thing we do is try that. Um, I manage our board. You know, Josh Harris and David Blitzer and Michael Rubin are these incredible luminary guys who have day jobs. So I run the business for them and make sure that they're comfortable with the decisions we make. But it's more strategy and growth. I mean, when I got there, it was just a team. We built a credible training center and bought the Devils and Prudential Center and set up a venture fund, a real estate company, esports business, a sports marketing company. So I'm you know, in charge of growth and development. It's a, it's a classic like CEO job. Um, and then I interact if, you know, with the basketball crew if they ever need a little help or assistance or things go south.
0: Do you want to get an advantage over the sports books during the NBA and NHL playoffs? How about an inside edge this MLB season? then download BetQL, the only app you'll need to make smart bets. Their best bets algorithm scans over 350,000 bets per year to give you a best bet recommendation for every game across all major sports and gives you the reasoning behind why you should place the bet. BetQL also has tons of other tools like sharp data so you can see who the pros are backing and line movement so you can jump on betting opportunities in real time. Plus, you can save all your picks in one place to track your success and winning streaks, as well as view your rank on their leaderboards. Head to the App Store or Google Play Store now to download BetQL. You can also head to try.betql.co backslash Rex. Enter the discount code Rex at payment checkout for 25% off of their subscription offerings. Don't miss out on the chance to beat the book this summer you know knowing where the the franchise came from i played when i played the sixers were terrific you know um and it been had been down seeing seeing you guys with the number one seed uh and MVP fun. and defensive player of the year candidates as your corner, cornerstones after all this time how does that feel
2: it feels amazing i i will tell you like going back to that 10 win season, that was hard. Like it was, it was a grind. I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, I do drop my daughter off at school and I got like the little 24 year old teacher's aid saying, what are you going to get this team right? I'm like, not you, you know, no, <laughs> um, but, we, but we, you know, Philadelphia, that's a tough town. It's, it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, they, you know, we eat our young for breakfast here and, uh, it's a blue-collar city. And and the good news was is that people appreciated how we were playing. You know, that was like Isaiah Cannon, TJ McConnell, a Cove. I mean, guys were just out there. Henry Sims. Mm-hmm. I remember I was in one meeting with season tickler. So I did season tickler meetings every day, as did Brett Brown. Ugh. And this one guy said, I'm not renewing if you don't resign Henry Sims. And I was like, Henry Sims? <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's really was, I think we had yeah. I think we had 50 players, 50 players on the roster that year. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there was pressure. I mean, I told, you know, I suggested to my wife and children that they not come to any games. um, Halfway through the season, Uh I suggested to my bosses that they not attend any more games for the rest of the year, because it was nasty. I'm glad you
0: said that because I, you know, look, and it goes without saying luckiest people in the world to be associated with the NBA and professional sports, but it, it can't be stated enough how hard it is when, you know, I played on a 19 win team and a 20 win team and losing just wears on you. And the only thing that gets you through, through is having good people because if you don't have good yeah. people there, then it's going to fall apart. What, what inspired you to write no. this book? What inspired you to write, be where yeah, you well, are what, after all these years I, of sports, what, where, why,
2: yeah, well, uh, my best friend um, took his own life. And, um, and, sorry, I was, were you standing up? I was uh, 48.
0: Gosh, I'm sorry, buddy.
2: And I was standing up there giving his, you know, eulogy, speaking at his funeral. And I'm looking down at these five kids, his beautiful wife, a successful guy, and just had all kinds of uh, chemical issues. And, um, and I was, I just kept thinking, like, man he's like this is an amazing guy i went to harvard business school with this guy like he's brilliant i mean he walked into a room and lit it up i mean he was like the bear hug guy you know you know those guys in high school that squeezed you too tight and you're like stop this hurts he was that guy and just full of life and then he was gone and um and i just thought man we got some lessons we have lessons and we have to learn them and so i started writing like kind of like forrest gump was running i just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and then I started talking to friends of my mind, and I, what I found out was like that—that that life that we see on Facebook and Instagram—it's um, wonderful. I, I love seeing your kids getting to Yale or whatever, or being an all-American, or getting into this. It's awesome. Like, I, honestly, I still want to see them, so I, I don't—I don't disparage anybody from doing that because I love good news and I love connecting with people. But that's not real life, yeah. and and real life is what happens behind it. And for me, having been fired from Madison Square Garden and running the company into the ground, and having miscarriages with my wife, and like, look, man, it's real. I'm having trouble with one of my daughters. Like, it's this, you want to talk about real life? That's what this book's about. It's like, but that's where the learning takes place. And that's what people don't understand. And instead we like, we hide behind like these beautiful pictures and I still want to see them. So I don't want to take that away, but I do want people to understand that it's okay. Like, it's going to be okay. Like life is hard. And when you really look take a step back and, and, and you guys can tell me, it's like, when does your best learning in your life ever taken place? It's when you fall down. He got to pop up, but man, you get in a pothole, you twist your ankle, you fall, you trip, you stumble, you get fired. They write something nasty about you. Hey, you want to do something fun? Google Scott O'Neill. Look on Reddit. Okay. i go Reddit Scott O'Neill. That's a, that's a fun place to be, you know? And so you can stay in that space, but that's not space I want to be in. I want to be around people who, who make you smile and I want to be around positive energy and I want to be around life and people who hope and who could dream and think differently and so, so I long story is something bad happened, and I decided to share some of my most vulnerable moments when my things weren't going so well, and some of the lessons I learned. And I got some friends to share some similar ones, um, which shocked me. Like I just didn't, really? you didn't know. Like right, because because yeah. the picture yeah. of my family is like, oh look at that big CEO, um, Josh. You said it being like, hey, you know, I feel like you know these guys done it all. Like, hey, guess what? They Get people behind the curtain. And you're going to feel like really good about yourself when you read this book. You're like, holy crap, you know, and, and that's okay. And because I want people to be okay. I want them to um, understand that this journey that we call life is just full of opportunities to learn and grow. And you get up at the top of that mountain. I got to tell you, look around and it is lonely up there. And so you better find another mountain to climb. And so I, I think that's, um, that's what, why I did it and, and what it's about. Thanks for asking
1: Really inspiring. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you. Uh, Let me ask you this. Um, So you are creating a culture. You talk about that. You talk about people positivity. And when you are putting a team around you, when you're hiring, what do you look for uh, qualities in the people that you put around in your organization? And how do you know they truly have them? Like, um, what do you, just what do you look for in the people you hire?
2: Yeah, um, energy, um, intellectual curiosity and an unreasonable work ethic. And, and I think those are, are, and you know, I, I want to hire extraordinary teammates as well, cause that's what creates like the added level success when you come to our place. Um, but I think that that passion for life, you can see it in their eyes. Um, unreasonable work ethic, you usually know where they, where they come from is really helpful. Um, um and I, I don't mean what You're part from. Unreasonable I just
0: mean, work ethic. Unreasonable.
2: Unre- unreasonably high work ethic. Yeah. Because I, I haven't seen anybody be successful in anything without working unreasonably hard. I, I wish that would. I mean, I listen, if you ever find something that's simple and easy, like give me a call. I will sign up for that in two seconds. Have you I met? I just Josh, haven't seen it.
1: You you've met you Josh should now. Just be an actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great call.
2: It's a great call. Well, you know, I, live,
1: I have an unreasonable work ethic. All right, just it's just the other. One. <laughs> it's on the other end. I miss my yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> No, but please, I, please I, elaborate I, on that, please.
2: No, I, I will tell you too. I um, I spend a lot of time with a lot of young people. At, at my my, you know, we've got like two thousand people I work with now, and and uh five hundred full time and. Average age is probably 26 and a half or so. And I spent a lot of time with them talking about exactly that, you know, work hard, be intellectually curious and be an extraordinary teammate. But I also spend a lot of time these days talking about mind, body, soul stuff, because I, I have a firm belief that um, we've got to do something for our mind, something for our body, something for our soul every day to be mentally healthy. We need a proper amount of sleep. You know, when I was growing up in this business, it was like sleep is for the weak. That's yeah. what my boss told me. Right. I had another best tell me like money never sleeps, so you shouldn't either. Now, all the sleep research I'm reading, all the people that come in and talk to our teams now, it's different. Like there's a whole army of people helping yeah. these teams, these players now. It's unbelievable. It's different than it, it's what was. A, it's amazing now, though, yeah, because like,
1: I, I think I got crazy.
2: hurt.
0: I think I got hurt a lot because I was just run down and I didn't sleep well. This was also before sleep aid and AIDS and whatnot. Yeah. I, I just yeah, of course the guys need their sleep. Of course, people need
2: their right sleep. well. Think about that too. We were running practices at shoot arounds at 10 a.m. Like, our guys are asleep at 10 a.m., right? You know, so, so, anyways, there's a lot of stuff we can learn, but but every day life is like something for your mind, something for your body, something for your soul every day. Nobody wants to talk about soul and religion. I know that's like something people aren't comfortable talking about. And I say, like, you don't have to read scriptures, you don't have to pray, but you do have to find some stillness in your life. Go meditate, go listen to the birds chirp in the morning. Like, we all need five minutes of stillness, and then you have to sleep. I'm, I'm, I mean, you have to. And then I say, be where your feet are, phone down, head up, and then express some gratitude. And the gratitude thing is so simple. It's like the simplest thing. When I talk to groups, I talked to a group today from AstraZeneca, this pharma company, and I, I started the meeting by saying, hey, okay, uh, pick up your phones, and I want you to text your mom. I want you to tell her how much you love her, one thing you learned from her, and why you appreciate her. And they're like, what? I'm like, no, just do it, 60 seconds. But the whole exercise, it's not about your mom. But by the way, moms are so underappreciated. Everybody can do that anyway. I'm like – can you imagine somebody in your life, like an old coach, an old teacher, an old mentor, someone who worked for you, some trainer that worked on you, you know, some director that helped you, somebody in your life that helped you. And they fly into your head. They give you these little promptings. The question just act on them. Just send a note. Especially now, people are isolated. They're alone. And one little simple reach out. Hey, just checking in. How you doing? Hey, just thinking about you today. Just want to tell you I love you and I was thinking about you. Hey, anytime you're in town, please give me a call. I was thinking about you. If we get on a horn later this week, I'd love to talk to you. Those little things, man, I'll tell you, we need to be better and do better. And nice. that's like a little thing we can do to uh, to help drive change.
0: That's just beautiful. I, uh, You know, I, I'd seen before uh, trying to find those moments of stillness during the day. And you had mentioned that, you know, that's you're just not wired that way. I'm not either. Josh is definitely not that nope. way. I'm always on the go. That's why, you know, uh, social media is great and terrible because then, you know, <laughs> I, I'll find myself with a computer on, a, a, a phone in my hand, and the TV on. And that's not good for you. That can't be good for you for a long no. time or for any, even a short time. So how do you suggest to people to find, how do you dial back and say, all right, I've got oh, a great question.
2: My- yeah. So I, I tell you what, I was, I was working for a square garden and Nick's. we're going through that rebuild, the, the dining walls, rebuild and. You know, we lost by 24, we got booed off the court, and getting booed in New York is just harder. Like, Philly's the only harder place I've, I've ever heard booed, but New York is hard. You know, it's not just booed, it's like, boo, I hate you. You know, they just don't say but you know they hate you. And, uh, and so we, I, I get home, and I'm all grouchy, and my wife's like, So, uh, what's, what's going on? I was like, Did you see the game tonight? She's like, Yeah, yeah, I saw the game. I was like, She's like, So, what's up? I was like, Did you see the end? We lost by 24, we got booed. She's like, Yeah, so I got booed off the court. So, I was like, okay. She's like, how good are your teams this year? Knicks, Rangers, Liberty. I said, not very good. She's like, okay. Um, so what? Like a hundred losses? I'm like, yeah, probably hundred, maybe a few more. She's like, okay, one every three nights. This is gonna be you. This ain't gonna work. Not for me. Not for this house. Not this wow. race. Like, not Whoa, whoa, sure. whoa yeah. honey, I love you. Uh-huh. Love you. And um, that that those kind of things uh, help. And so I, I was talking to a friend of mine. And I was like, hey, I gotta figure this out because I can't come down. I can't imagine as a player like coming down like. I don't come down for two, three, four hours, depending on the game. Okay. And player, I can't imagine like you getting your psyche and your, your body to calm down. I couldn't do it. And my friend said, Hey, I have a worry tree outside of my house. I was like, What? He's like, Yeah. I drive home, put my hand on this tree, and all my worries go into the tree. I was like, I need a tree like that. Of course, I don't have one, but it would be lovely, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. So instead, I use my ride home. I just use my ride. My ride is like, I can holler at the moon. I call, like, sometimes one of my brothers would say, you know, crazy stuff that doesn't make any sense that no one else can hear other than other than they can. Um, and then when I get home, I put the phone down, and I become a dad. That's it. I'm a dad. And so so I, I try to completely compartmentalize. And um, and it's hard, though. At work, you come into one of my meetings, you check your phone at the – at the we have a cell phone table. Just check it. And you can imagine the, the Gen Zs and millennials. are like, that's well, a great. How note. am I going to take notes? I'm like, grab a pen, kid. Grab a pen, kid. Because I want them to walk in a room and look to the left and say, how was your weekend? Hey, how's your daughter doing that soccer game? Hey, how was your vacation? But stay where it is. And what are we doing? Do TikTok videos? Come on. Like, we've got to connect better. So, uh, so there are some triggers I use to make sure that that I can actually put the phone down. Um, I got my wife's got another one for me. Her name's Lisa. We have been married for 25 years. So we got married as kids. kid. She was an intern at the net when I was in the system. So that's where we met and um, if we'll be out at dinner, now I'm by the way, I'm not perfect at this, but so I, I got my phone out. I'm just checking the score, like meaningless stuff, but I wanted to see the score. <laughs> and she gives me this, like, just like, I'll wait. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 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 I, I'm just, she, no, 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 it's more important. I'll wait. I'm, like, wow. <laughs> um, I'm just going to put my phone down and never pull it out of my pocket ever again. As yeah. she's staring daggers right into my eyes. Um, so you do definitely need some people who will give you some real talk in your life. And I, I've got a few of those. But, um, but I, I just encourage everybody just to be where your feet are, be present. Like the whole world is happening out there. And and I think if you have something meaningful to do on your phone, do it. You know, if you want to inspire people on your phone, do it. You wanna put some good energy out into the world, do it. Otherwise, like, man, we need more meaningful moments with each other. I really, really believe that. And if one thing, if one thing COVID taught us was, Family dinners, time together, the importance of connection—all that stuff. Like we can't lose it. Got to you know, stick with
0: it. You made a, a really good point about you know getting, you know, uh, communicating with the people in the room with yourself. That's a, that's what you used to be when we were growing up. You were with yeah. you were with, and you found out what other people did on Monday at school. I remember, and I've been in, involved in the NBA since the '80s, since you were, and so decades now but I remember a shift in about, it was the early 2000s. It used to be teams. You leave the arena, you play the game, you leave the arena, you're on the bus with your teammates and your coaches, and you're on the plane with your teammates and your coaches until you get home before, before everybody was constantly on their phones. Now guys get on the plane, get on the uh, bus after the game and they're immediately talking to people outside of the bus, almost no communication on the bus. Right. That's how it is. And we've got to, it, yes. it, it, it can take away from team bonding and team building. I know it's kind of hard to put that genie back. No, in the no, mind.
2: I love that. I'll, I'll tell you a, a great, a great story, which I don't know if it's true because I wasn't there, but it's one of my favorite stories. And if you ever have uh, Kevin Garnett on, I want you to ask him. Okay. okay. So here's the story. He's traded to the Brooklyn Nets. It's a preseason game. They're down at halftime. He walks in. Two players are on their phones. He grabs one, throws it against a brick wall, and shatters it. It's like, get your head in the game. Like, first of all, that's very Kevin Garnett, right? So like, you can right, see yeah. that happening. On brand. But do you love that?
0: Love it. Just like, love like,
2: it. Yeah, that's my kind of guy. That's, that's right. 100% my kind of guy. Yeah. I heard another story. Again, you know, these are all kind of lore in the NBA. a is, is, uh, one well-known coach. Um, was new to his team, and they they dropped into New York, and he looks out on the tarmac, and there are a bunch of limos. He calls the team back on. He lets everybody off the plane. Calls them back on the plane. He's like, "Yeah, hey, send the limos home. You're going to the hotel. We're on a business trip." Now it's like, "Whoa!" I so so I think there's a yeah yeah I think there's a pretty interesting movement to to get to connect. Um, I mean, we've we've seen um issues all over the league with mental health right a lot of it has to do with these guys they're too young to be reading all this negative all these negative things about mm-hmm. themselves Great. it's negatively impacting their ability to play yeah. and so you see a lot of players just say that hey, i'm not i'm off for the, i'm off for the season um which i like i, I, I just did. want them to be healthy and, and optimize their performance and and self-actualize i really do i, I think that the, the modern day player they're special i mean they're they're more globally aware they're smarter they're yeah. they're in tune with the world in some ways that's wonderful but every strength you have is often a liability right yeah. so if you're really hardworking, sometimes you don't find the right balance and do the right things you know if you're really passionate sometimes you overreact you know if you're really in tune with the world maybe sometimes you don't uh disconnect and actually kind of connect with your feelings so I, I think there's a there's some of that for sure and I, I did want to ask you a couple questions. Yeah. I mean, can I have the oh, floor at course. least? Of course. Okay, a couple quick, quick basketball ones. Yeah. The guy you hated most in college.
0: Uh, that, uh, Player you hated that most in college. Hated playing against? You played against. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, oof. You know, I don't know. I hated playing against Vernon Maxwell because he was so good. Uh, if that was the – if that's kind of the question. It was really – not. I don't think there was anybody I really hated. Also, I was only in college for a minute. Vernon <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Maxwell. Vernon was so good. Um, he, 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 so fast. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. What else? Come on. Fire away.
2: All right. Uh, the guy you did not want guarding you in the NBA. Like, he, you saw every time you saw him, you're like, not tonight. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that's a little – more difficult. I and I, I faced from Michael Cooper to MJ to Scotty, Joe Dumars, great defenders. The one guy, though, and it was also because of the era, the one guy that was it was impossible because he was so big and so fast and so strong and you could hold and grab was Dennis. Yeah, yeah. There were times Dennis, they'd put young Dennis out there, you know, on me yeah. on, on the wing. Worm. And, he was the worm
2: and, at that time. Yeah.
0: I mean, my, my God, Dennis was just, he was in, insanely long and athletic and, and I mean, guy could have, should have been a sprinter, a world-class hundred, 200 kind of guy, you know, 6'10 in that just stride. But yeah, Dennis was, Dennis was the real deal.
2: All right, does Josh have any kind of hoop game? Uh, you know, I am
0: I'm, I'm thinking well, are you you're a point guard? You guys would I am. Yeah, he's he's pick and roll. He's pick and roll just so you know. Well,
1: what's my what's my true gift, Rex? Well, it's I'm true. The best. Gift. I'm the best at one thing.
0: He's the best I, at anyone. He's the best inbounder I've ever seen. Fake a pass to make a pass. It's a real specialty Mm -hmm. thing, but there you go. He knows. That's
2: (laughs) a a nuance. It's a a nuance of the game that's that's oftentimes overlooked.
1: See? It's a gift, too. I was born with it. I always good at the smack the ball. Always (laughs) good at that. Smack. And throw it in and bounce pass. I could – whatever it took. I was still a hell of an inbounder. And and it's not – you don't even have to be in shape for it. Right. And, no, and but, but I was, a, I'm a professional and I was always in pretty good shape because I didn't want to get tired when I was faking passes. Yeah. <laughs> so, inbounding is really my game. Uh, Delete inbounding.
2: I, yeah. All right. One more. One more. All right. All, right. all right. Favorite moment post playing career?
0: Mine. Yeah. yeah. My favorite mo- personal moment? Personal moment. Oh, man. Uh, for sure getting off of, uh, painkillers. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. my, yeah, that's gotta be the biggest one at that point. Just, yeah, that was, that was pretty difficult. And yeah. So I think that's probably my favorite personal moment. Cause that was a life that was going down the tubes pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. So yeah, that one. Um, yeah.
2: What, about, what about you? Favorite personal moment. I mean, I have so many, mostly related to family. I had a couple really special ones this weekend. I, I married my nephew, Jair, um, who, whose uh, father has passed away. Um, so I it was kind of like a, I have three legal so
1: He's, well, he
2: did, hey. that's what makes it so exciting. You, know,
1: you married your mom. nephew? This is interesting. <laughs> this took a turn. I didn't get the, see Get the book. <laughs> no, sorry. Go ahead.
2: It's in the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, no, I'm going to skip to that yeah, chapter. You know, like, I, I, <laughs> no, I've been to so many weddings and I never, I mean, I was in front marrying like took a course online and then, wow. you know, it was just a, it was a special moment with a, with a Jeremy and Tara I just absolutely love. And, uh, you know, that was probably, at least recently, that was, that was one of those things I'll, Oh, I'll never forget.
0: That's amazing. Uh, what, uh, I got another question. What, what biggest lessons you've learned along the way working, you learned along the way working for David Stern. For Oh time. man.
2: Yeah. So if those of your listeners that do not know him, um, <laughs> he, he, uh, sadly, sadly has passed away. Yes. Um, and was a mentor. I saw him two weeks before he passed away. I, 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 I love him. Um, I owe so much of my career and success to him. And, um, but he was a tyrant and the meanest man I've ever met in my life. Like he called me things I had to look up. Like, I didn't even understand what he was saying because he was so mean and nasty and in my face screaming and yelling. Um, But boy, was he brilliant. I mean, we would get on a plane and he was so nasty. Everybody would run for the back. I was so young. I was like, hey, this is the best guy in the history of the business I'm sitting across from. Him. And I would take the pounding for sure on a trip. But man, it was just wisdom. And I, anyway, but he would be on a plane and he would have eight, nine inches of articles ripped out, um, which I loved him. He's just a lifelong learner. In fact, in w- one trip, this is probably 2001, 2002. He's like, and he would always like punk you all the time, like about everything. Your wife, your way you went to school, where, you know, what you ate, you know. That you're eating too much, whatever it was, like you could no holds barred. He said anything he wanted anytime. He's like, You think you're so smart? I was like, Nope, you know. And he's like, You probably don't even know what with is. And I was like, I have not now, it was Wi Fi, but he was so far ahead of the game, nobody ever said it, he'd only read it.
1: Like, Whiffy. that's
2: how far I, <laughs> so I killed him for that 10 years later. Killed him, <laughs> uh, but, but remember, like, Whiffy. this is the guy who, like. This is a guy who studied HIV, was connected to the best doctors in the world, so that when, when Magic Johnson contracted the virus, he didn't run for cover like everybody else was. He said, "Hey, let's solve this together, and let's use this as a platform to drive global change." This is a guy who put an office in China in the '80s, yeah. where the NFL tried to put a game on in China about eight years ago and couldn't pull it off. So, like, he was so far ahead. I mean, he. T- I mean, he is uh, man. Attention to detail. We—I remember—we had this one one meeting. I, I ran a couple of groups for him, and we were putting on this one meeting for a lot of league executives. And um, and and, <clears throat> the, you know, we—the name tags were left at the hotel instead of the venue. He walked in, and he—I just remember him screaming. And whenever he would scream, I would get calm. I, I don't know if it's like dealing with crazy coaches or not, but like I never reacted. I was just listening for the message. Be, you know, toe to toe. You know, those guys just screaming. Yeah. And i like, okay. I said, David, I know everybody in this room. I know what you're frustrated about. It's because you don't want to be embarrassed not knowing anybody. He's like, blah blah blah. I was like, explode, explode. You know, F you, F you. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna stand right by you. And he's like, and then he'd like pit people against each other. Is it you or you? And I was like, let's just solve the problem. I and mean, he was that guy. It was, man, wow. it was hard hardcore. I remember one time you- last touch, last story, I swear. These are I get off the plane. Exactly. The phone rings and I just, I mean, I was working for the teams, like on behalf of the teams as a consultant. So I would like go see a team that sent them a report. Now go to a team and send them a report, him, the commissioner, I was like 30 years old. Okay. Wow. And I sent him one report and it was like, it was, you know, I, I take very, I have very strong opinions. Okay. And, and that's how I write. I write with, Good. he didn't like something in, in that report. So I, and I'm traveling to three cities a week. I mean, I'm traveling all the time. I landed, it was those old flip phones, remember those big flip phones? So I had a little flip phone. I literally step off the plane in Detroit the phone rings and it's like, you mother effer, you son of a, and I was like, mom, he <laughs> lost his mind. you know who this is? you know who this is? This is your boss, that's who it is. And I was like, oh yeah, oh David, hey, hey, what's up? And uh, <laughs> I get back from New York. So, <laughs> That's real. I mean, that is like, you know, and I, I mean, I, you know, you could tell I, 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 I he loved, he, he loved the debate. He, he did not love that moment, but, but he loved to, to battle. He loved to debate. I mean, loved to learn. He had incredible attention to detail. He was a visionary, saw the world uh, before anybody else saw it. And he, he was not, he was a Renaissance man. Like he, you know, like he expected to be the best in the world at sports marketing or the best in the world at basketball, or the best in the world at the NBA. And he was all those things. But just I love the notion of him understanding like geopolitical stuff and life sciences and technology and the venture and finance world. And he's just, man, brilliant, wonderful soul. And I will tell you this, because I don't want to sound like um, I'm not grateful. There, I went through some periods in my life where I really struggled. First guy, always, whatever you need, I'm here for you let me help you. Let me make five phone calls to help you. Like that guy, man, he's, he's he was as good as they come. Did he ever? I, I, That's that brilliant, man.
0: Question. That was my question. Thank you for sharing those stories. That was just fantastic. Um, and I knew David a little bit, so, and I knew, I knew his relationship with my guy, David Falk. So there you go. I know. Yeah.
2: yeah. Has a
0: <laughs> yeah. So, but, um, you said he'd always be there for you in, in the worst moments. Was he able to show? Was he able to show love uh, and decompress? Was he nice at times? Could he be, or was that really not in his
2: DNA? When he when he got older, um, and so I was there for almost eight years. So I got him later in his career, and so I got more of him thinking about legacy and thinking about his relationship with his family and thinking about, you know, how he would do some things differently and how, you know, um, so, so yes, there were times when he was calm for sure, but okay. relaxed, never. I mean, he told me that he woke up every day convinced he had no idea what was going to happen. Convinced <laughs> he wasn't smart enough, convinced he wasn't doing anything. And I can identify with that. I had that yeah. little chip on my shoulder too. Yeah. He once told me, too, he said, "If I, because I used to tell him, like, you should write a book. Like, you should have somebody write you a book. Like, I would read that book in two minutes. And he said, if I wrote a book, it would be called uh, Episodic Micromanagement is Underrated. And I was like, well, I'm not sure i read that one. And then he said, or I'd call it Fear and Intimidation and How to Get the Best Out of People. I'm like, I'm not sure I'd read that one either. I mean... He was on like, but he had this charm. Like he was like that, but he was charming. You just loved him. You wanted to work harder for him. You wanted him to be happy and pleased. And and uh, I once, I was once at this conference. I could go on for this all day. I swear I cut this short. I was at this conference once and I was up doing my thing. And he called me up and in front of this is like 2,000 people. It was a big NBA meeting. He calls up. He said, And I, I want to say that, uh, uh, Scott O'Neill, you've done a nice job. Uh, can you come up here? And I was like, like I, I know, uh, and so the only thing that my friends killed me about this still to this day. So I walk up and I'm kind of like uncomfortable. Like I hadn't gotten a compliment. I've worked for him for six years. I'd never heard him say anything nice other than "you idiot." I thought that was my name. And he said, uh, "I said, hey, uh, I mean, thank you. I mean, you throw compliments around like they're manhole covers. <laughs> That's the only thing I can get out of my." my uh, my mouth at the time. so <laughs> great. that was uh, not well received either I'm sure. You. Uh, i sure but, I, know. Uh, but I, I i love i love him to this day i love the memories of him i love working for him the, the nba league office is an elite place with elite people today um and it's it's a step and adam silver who's a, a dear friend and somebody i have a ton of respect for is one of the greats of all time yeah what's what's there.
1: Obviously, different styles. How do they contrast?
2: Oh, they're very different. Yeah, they're very different. Um, David was was much more combative debate, and Adam is much more relationship solve the problem. And I think um, David was the perfect guy at the perfect time, and I think Adam is the perfect guy at the perfect time. It's really interesting to see how the how the world has shifted. And you know, I, I look at how the NBA was able to navigate the bubble, and I just I marvel. And I, and I don't think that was a time to fight. I think that was a time to embrace and talk and listen and leverage relationships, both with ESPN and Turner and the players. And, and you know, I, I look at the, uh, the Donald Sterling transition that Adam uh, jammed, and I think, man, you know, maybe David could have done that. I'm sure he could have, but Adam did it, and he did it a different way, you know. It wasn't uh embarrassed Sterling. It was like, okay, you did the wrong thing. I'm taking the team. We're going to move on. Um, you know, I look at the way the league has handled the social justice movement, which I'm so proud to be a part of. And to well, like, right? Honestly, to, my soul, to my soul, I love it. And and I think the way that that's happening is a product of who Adam Silver is at the core. Um, so so I think, you, you know, they're so different, um, but they have a lot of things in common. One is they're both tough as nails. Two, they're both as brilliantly smart as any two people you'll ever meet in your life and three at the end they they've sacrificed themselves and their lives for the good of the game that i love you know so so they're really good people
1: yeah let, let me ask you this this is completely unrelated didn't think i'd ask this but you're impressed me so much and you're a positive guy obviously and such an intellect what are we going to do in this country what to solve this great divide right now. What are your thoughts on that? And how can we, how can we repair this?
2: Yeah, such a, such a rich question. Um, I, there's a, there's a great um, a, a short on Netflix called, um, boy, the social dilemma. And if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. And so it takes these executives from all the social media companies and interviews them. And at the end of the movie, um, they had this one guy, I can't remember the social media thing, they look right in the camera and they said, okay, so what happens? Like, now what? And what they're asking them now what to is that we all curate our own media, okay? So now we have not only 7.5 million media members in the world, we're also 7.5 million people who are deciding what we want to see and how we want to see it. So what that's doing is it's, it's polarizing all of us. And so you are either listening to Fox or CNN. When actually what we want is nbc if you will you know um and so this guy looks right dead at the camera and he says civil war and literally like it almost like burned him soul. um and then obviously we had a lot of issues um <sighs> after the george floyd murder so um i will say like i'm not sure that the solution is quick um but what i what i love about joe biden in office is my wife asked me the other day and i got to know him a little bit just because uh he's from delaware um it's close by sixer fam and um and he he she said well what's joe biden up to anyway and i said it's kind of nice not to have him in our face every day isn't it you know Mm -hmm. and she said you're right it is and and i think um i look i'm so proud to be an american i am i'm you know, my, my grandfather on one side and my great-grandfather on the other side came over from Ireland to Italy and they didn't have a nickel when they came here. And I look at the opportunity the country afforded, my, me, my, my parents, um, my children. Um, I look at all the opportunity here. I travel all over the world and there's no place I'd rather be than America, okay? When I listen to the anthem, put my hand over my heart, I'm very proud to be here. We just have a long way to go. And you know, there's something special about that because our expectations are higher. And they should be like how much, you know, in Lithuania, how high are their expectations? Not as high as ours, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I have hope. I, I love the next generation. I love the millennials and I love the next generation coming under them. I spent a lot of time with young kids and they see the world so differently. They, they honestly, like, they almost can't believe the way we see the world. Just like we were disappointed with our parents and disgusted with our grandparents in terms of how they saw the world. I'm seeing these young generation looking at us and saying, like, you got a long way to go, buddy. Yeah. And I, I love that. Like, I love their hope. I love their spirit. I love that they want to believe in something bigger than themselves. I love that they want to change the world. I love that their social contract is different. It's like, really? You're not going to do this? You're not going to make a difference? I'm out. Oh, really? So I can't pay rent? So what? I'll figure it out. I love this next group. They're willing to work and they have better vision. We've got to get through these next, next 10 15 years and get this next generation up and running this country.
1: And I'm excited about that. Um,
2: Yeah. and and how do we, how do we stop like the the, you know, it's like, I think social media gives us like such a polarizing edge. um, where it's it's like the vocal minority. I I, the big thing about like two things I say at work is like one is I want to manage the top five percent, not the bottom five. And I say I don't want the vocal minority dictating policy. And and I think right now what social media gives you is a vocal minority dictating policy. So the stuff you're seeing online is what you think is the, the majority, and it isn't. Um, it's the fringes. The fringes are getting attention. You know why? Because that's what gets retweets. Fringes get retweets. You, you say something more ridiculous, people want to repost it and reshare it. And um, and I and I think the the amount of misinformation and disinformation is causing more mistrust and distrust than we need. And we need to go back to some really like core values that nobody wants to talk about, like honesty and trust and transparency, like yeah, simple, man. simple things that we learned about in kindergarten. We need to kind of come back to our roots and find those.
1: Great answer is a tough question. And that's a great answer. And uh, thank you. Yeah. Scott, buddy, can't thank you enough
0: for stopping by this week. Josh, wait, favorite movie, maybe? Scott? Yeah, look,
1: Scott, what's your, uh, what's your favorite movie?
2: Okay, Family Man and Fletch. Fletch. <laughs> <laughs> Fletch. Nice, <laughs> nice. Oh, love or it. Other
1: hills. It's all ball bearings these days. <laughs> <really low>. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, front row center for any. Uh, it could be you know a band, a speaker, dead or alive. You front row center. Martin
0: Luther King. Mm. Well done. I love it. Scott, listen, man. Uh, what you've done—restoring, rebuilding, rebranding the Sixers, where they were a few years ago—to now, uh, NBA's biggest season ticket base. Unbelievable. Your book, be where your feet are. Be sure and get it, everybody. Scott, please come back. Will you come back and do this again with us? Please. I would
2: love it. I appreciate you guys. And if you ever want to hit a game, let's go. And let's go. Mm-hmm.
0: Road trip. Careful. careful. Let's go. <laughs> Road trip. Yes, yes, That's sir. Great. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Love to have
2: you. Hey, Thanks I appreciate God. all the things you're doing, guys. Thank Keep you, up, buddy. Hey, It's been work. a
1: pleasure. Thanks for joining Thank us.
0: Awesome. Thanks. Hey, okay, right
2: back at you. Thanks. Brilliant. See you.
0: Well, I say it every time, Josh. Wow. I mean, I, you know, I, both of us, you know, we were a little nervous over this one going in because, you know, this is a little outside of our wheelhouse, and we knew how smart this guy was, right? Yeah. But he's smarter he than we thought. He didn't disappoint. No, he's smarter. <laughs> I could have listened to him talk about David Stern and Adam Silver for four hours. You can see you can see why he's a success, right?
1: Oh, I mean, I'll bet he gets up at four o'clock in the morning every day and works <laughs> out and then visits children in the hospital and then meditates and then, you know, helps people starving somewhere and then gets to work at seven and works all day and goes home. And then he loves his wife and children more than I love anyone in the world. He does. He truly does make me feel like shit. (laughs) He does. (laughs) He's amazing. (laughs) He is an amazing cat. He really
0: is. I mean, Mm -hmm. and you know, as, as we know in his, in his book, which
1: we're going to read, of course, we finally have a book club book, right? Uh, I gotta tell you, well, I was like, I was like, I don't know if I read this book. Now I'm like, I am
0: definitely, definitely reading it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Be where your feet are seven principles that keep your, keep you present, grounded and thriving by Scott O'Neill. I can't, I can't wait. Um, I'm, I just like, and I enjoy, and he has, yeah, I remember Scott being with the nets from back when I joined the Hornets, right. Just coming, up, coming up as a young guy. So, uh, just fascinating. Life's like you said. Life is hard, man. No matter mm-hmm. where you are, life is hard. So,
1: and whatever. I was totally blown away. I had no idea. You did, I'm sure. That David Stern was such a <laughs> 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 I mean, God, he, he, he's I a had renowned, no idea. Yeah, he he was he was a renowned prick. <laughs> oh wow. I mean, brilliant, obviously, and oh, yeah. people really like him. That's a Hell real. Yeah. That's a skill to be that big of a dick and people really like you yeah yeah
0: he handled Mm -hmm. his business a different way like he said
1: like you you
0: I'm a dick you're a dick but people don't really like you yeah yeah full dick just full dick
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah oh buddy that's been fun uh let's get out of here same time next week powered by basketballnews.com the Rex Chapman show with super cool Josh Hoppe Subscribe, rate, and review. We're out.